You're listening to episode 65 of the Urban Yogi Podcast featuring Logan Quinn. Logan is a cross-disciplinary movement, arts, and sciences coach with over 10 years' experience. He began his training in Ontario at the age of three, starting in gymnastics, but quickly moving to martial arts. In the ensuing decade, Logan dedicated much of his efforts to developing the diversity, his physical and emotional literacy. Six years of percussion, club and high school volleyball at the provincial and national level, formal training in track and field and bodybuilding, to name a few. His search eventually led him to Vancouver, where he attended post-secondary in filmmaking and kinesiology, while simultaneously studying under world-renowned psychotherapist Dr. Bennett Shapiro in Victoria. It was through these disciplines that Logan began forming his own principles for teaching movement and healing clients. In 2017, Logan finally solidified his process by founding his company, Circus Animal, through which he offers hands-on bodywork, professional training, and counseling. I hope you enjoy my interview with Mr. Logan Quinn. Do a little shake out again, a little. Huh? Shake it out, shake it out. Shake, 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 shake. shake. Yeah. You ready, baby? I'm ready, baby. You're ready, baby. Let's interview right. this amazing human with beautiful hair. And soon your hair is going to be gone because we're going to shave it off in a ritual. Oh, yeah, baby. December 10th. We'll have to get into that after. Yeah. Um, but this is my buddy, Logan. Mm. Logan is an amazing man. Uh, he's in the men's group that I'm in, the High Vibe Brotherhood. Oh. Yeah. And I just wanted to have him on the show because he's a unique human. He's got many talents. And I feel that the world needs more people like him. So he's yeah he's well versed in psychotherapy uh in different forms of coaching in circus performance uh in martial arts uh as well as massage he's a registered massage therapist and he's got a degree in kinesiology not a registered massage oh he's not i hate to disappoint you he's not but official body worker oh there we go well that's even better i like that yeah um but you did study uh kinesiology i did yeah i just graduated this year that's awesome man. yeah very cool so First, I want to ask you, you grew up in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. What was that like? And how did you get into all these different forms of healing? Well, you, you're asking the questions that nobody wants answered because nobody wants to know about Ottawa. Ottawa, um, it's so beautiful. No, <laughs> everybody says that and I don't understand. Okay, it's like when you grow up in Ottawa, it's not like BC. We're in Vancouver right now, Canada. Mm-hmm. And people are friendly. You walk on trails and people say hello and strike up conversations. And you may not even know them. Ottawa's not like that, which is why I'm here. At least that was my experience, where you might be on the street and uh, make eye contact with somebody by accident. You're, you know, you're, your gaze is crossing the road, and you link eyes, and they give you the, fuck you looking at look. And you're like, dude, <laughs> uh, chill, chill. It's okay. It's fine. You're not in trouble. So, yeah, that's, um, that's the summary of Ottawa for you. It's very regimented. It's by the books. It's a lot like what you were describing about the previous phase that we're transitioning out of yes regulated you follow you know your your academic studies to get approved by the higher patriarchy structure mm-hmm. and to becoming who you should be mm-hmm. and it just it never resonated for me mm-hmm. i did it very well i've always been very academically oriented mm-hmm. and um 
it, it kind of permeates how I approach body work and how I approach kinesiology, which isn't a bad thing, but you'll, you'll see as this interview goes on how that fits in um, in a healthy and unhealthy way. So to, I guess to answer your question, growing up in Ottawa, I, uh, I started in gymnastics when I was two or three. Wow. My mom was an ex-gymnast. Cool. Um, and just started physical trainings, different modalities, very young and was very geared towards gymnastics. They wanted to recruit me into competitions by age three or four. Mm. And it just didn't feel right for me. So I stepped away from that for about a year and moved into martial arts. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I, I started karate age six or seven. It was being run at my high, my high school. <laughs> <laughs> I started high school really young. Um, no, my elementary school and uh, nice. begged my parents for a year to let me start. And they're like, ah, we'll see. I don't know what the apprehension was, uh -huh. but um, eventually they let me start, and uh, that became the beginning of my career, really, because by age 10, uh, I was going for my black belt evaluation, which there's different wow, categories. that's really young. It is, yeah. It's, it is definitely very young. You do it again later, mm -hmm. um, I think once you turn 16 or 17. Okay, cool. But that was the first initiation, so that in Shotokan Karate, in that lineage, was a year-long evaluation. Wow. It wasn't just like a month. You don't just prep for it. You're being evaluated every time you step in the dojo and you have to teach. Oh my goodness. So that was the first teaching process that I've ever had and haven't really stopped since. Mm -hmm. So I've just expanded to different modalities throughout the years. Um, over that year, you have to teach at least once, once a week. Mm -hmm. And uh, just really started to hone this desire to shape and help people grow. Uh, and that just expanded to all aspects of my life after that. So since leaving karate at age 13 or 14, I continued into uh, competitive volleyball. So I played cool. for my high school and we won city championships there, played nationally for a club. Um, at the same time was studying uh, physique competition style training, so bodybuilding oh. and that kind of stuff. Was assisting in teaching spin classes in high school, which oh I know you did too. Yeah. And. Uh, was also a percussionist for eight years. Holy shit. So yes, yeah, I did a lot of different stuff and those all eventually culminated into me understanding that I didn't care about the discipline. Mm -hmm. I cared about feeling as much as possible. Cool. Yeah. And he's only twenty five. You've done so much in your in your young life. Yeah, I'm just a really old inside. He's an old soul. <laughs> just worn out. <laughs> no, you're youthful and vibrant. Thank you. Um, what is like what is one thing about the uh, karate like what did what was one thing that the karate taught you that you sort of took in because you seem very disciplined uh, you're a very disciplined human and karate seems to be like a very disciplined type of activity I think that's probably a really good point it it built in me this respect for other people patience with myself and with either my my higher-ups mm -hmm. senseis mm -hmm. you know other black belts um, and also just really ingrained in me and other aspects of my life the dedication over a long period uh. that's always just been there and I think that kind of relates back to what we talked about the other day yeah. with um, being in my body mm -hmm. as a result of starting puberty really early mm -hmm. so because nobody else was in that psychological headspace of developing sexually I had to build a lot of inner tools very young and this happened to line up with that too. So as I was entering puberty 
and for you guys to know, I started puberty around seven or eight. So really, <laughs> really young. And uh, what were your parents feeding you? <laughs> well, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I will say like my, my father um, went into a second marriage around the same time, which you'll find that people with step parents tend to develop earlier. Hmm, interesting. Just because of there being a, a sexually viable person in their environment that isn't biologically related, oh. it triggers the hormonal process earlier. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Very cool, very cool. And then how did you get into psychotherapy? Oh, well, as, as probably a lot of you guys share this experience, I, um, I had trouble in high school with like feeling certain feelings. I ended up in such a state where I had been so regimented for so long and so dedicated to certain things and also being tested psychologically for other interpersonal reasons with like relationships in my life. I got to a point where I castrated off all feelings. Wow. Couldn't feel anything at all, nothing. It was just a robot. And uh, I was like, this, is, this, isn't, this isn't right, and I don't know how to fucking get out of this. So I started you know, studying from, I'm sure a lot of you guys know Elliot Hulse online as- I love him. Yeah. Yeah, breathe into your balls. Breathe into your balls. I mean, there's uh, things I could say about where he's going recently that I don't necessarily follow um, his, his thought process, but, he formed a lot of my early uh, explorations of, of psychotherapy cool. and that helped me shift out of being so stuck pathologically and actually put me on this path where once, I'm, once I moved to BC, I found, Elliot Hulse used to study bioenergetic psychotherapy, which is a lineage of Freud. Mm. So he was a student of one of Freud's disciples. When I moved to BC, I found somebody along the same lines as mm. Halsted. And ironically, Alexander Lowen, who founded the Bioenergetic Institute, his right-hand man was named Ben Shapiro. He lives on Victoria, in Victoria. Wow. Yeah. So I ended up studying under him and his postgraduate psychotherapy program mm -hmm. for four and a half years with other practitioners, a lot of them from Italy and Europe who would come out every summer and we would just work with each other. Nice. And then throughout the year was my own therapy with him and guidance as well as occasional online or in-person workshops. Sweet man. Yeah. That's awesome. And so then I really love how you combine body work, like massage, like when I get massages from you, you can really see how the psyche, the brain and the body are all connected. Mm. So how do you fuse psychotherapy with uh, massage and different types of body work that you do for your clients? It's a good question, and uh, I'm gonna take a second to breathe on that here. Yeah, it's your intuitive process. Mm. I'll speak to you guys with my eyes closed so I can be with the feeling, but. Um, That's good. It's always been very innate for me, Will, to feel my body and feel what's coming up, and that had a, a hiatus when I had those big issues in high school with feeling my body. Mm -hmm. But when I'm in myself and in a good place, I intuitively know how to read the body. Mm. And that, that's, you know, been helped by all the studies of different modalities, both from physical training, kinesiology, and psychotherapy. Um, so when I'm working on the body, I'm not only like actually feeling what's going on via palpation, say like if I'm working on Will's forearms here, um, he's a very loose individual, but the forearms are also a manifestation here of us reaching out to the world. 
us being able to grab and take in what we want or desire mm -hmm. from a heart place. Mm -hmm. So the arms are an extension of our ability to bring what our heart or our soul needs. Mm -hmm. So there's a variety of things going on here. If I'm looking at like the tensions in his forearms, because I know Will doesn't do a ton of like lifting or climbing, mm -hmm. whatever tensions I'm finding here are probably not because he's overusing them training. Mm -hmm. They're probably a psychological component to he's rigid and his extensors and a little, yeah, he's got some irritation in his flexors. So there might be some, some castration of energy going into his hands, which Will and I both have small hands. So developmentally, this goes back a long way. Mm. Because the hands didn't get the energy they needed, that's telling me mm. he may have had trouble, and myself as well, to reach out from a heart place to bring in what he needs. Mm -hmm. That definitely resonates. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's so interesting, and I always had a feeling that that sort of um, stunting of that ability does uh, manifest in physical ways. So thanks for explaining it so uh, yeah. eloquently. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. you, you're a big proponent of um, German NuMed. My phone's ringing over there, so just ignore that. <laughs> and German NuMed shares a lot of those understandings that psychotherapy, or at least bioenergetics, does mm -hmm. of how energy can manifest in different pathologies in the body and also different um, diseases. Mm -hmm. So yeah. like a developmental or structural osseous disease in your, your bones or in your muscular system is a manifestation of that limited ability for the, the expansion of life force to go into particular parts of the body. Mm. And then that causes dysfunction at a cellular, systemic, and developmental level that manifests later as a potential for disease. Mm, I like that. Have you heard of the book Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't read it, but similar to what you're talking about, and, mm. and how that art—it's really an artificial split of the brain and the body, or the, the the soul and the body. The truth is, everything is so connected. No illness can happen in the body without the involvement of the psyche and the brain. Mm. Psyche is another word for soul. Yeah. So um, I love that your work really encompasses all, all three body, brains, and organs. And um, what are some like personal challenges that you've worked through through these different modalities on yourself? Because you're very self-reflective. Um, what's like one that you would like to speak about and sort of coach us through how you got through it? Oh, man. Okay. Well, I mean, what's alive for me when you say that? It has less to do with like what my my mind w w might want to communicate to you guys as being the most efficient answer to your question and I feel driven to share with my heart today so last time we were talking about how early I developed um, sexually and it made me more aware today and recently than I've ever been of just to the degree that I might struggle with actually reaching out to people in a sexual way because when you develop earlier than everybody else, and this was my experience, nobody else was in that same playing field yet. So there was no sexually viable people to explore and play with. I had to go inward and develop a lot of inner tools. And I, I mentioned this earlier. It forces me into a place where I am castrated off from my body in some ways. So like you're very in tune with your sexual organs and the lower ends of your, your chakra as well as engaging with everything else that you've done. Not always, but yeah, I've heard, or not, uh, not my whole life and not always, but yeah. I'm a work in progress, but it's, yeah, just the last few years, I'd say, cultivating that. But better than anybody I've ever met. 
Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. I feel something very similar in terms of like, it's not exactly the same, but sort of my desire to, to be with men. Uh, I felt like I'd, I was at a place where no, none of the other men in, in the school were, were um, on the same playing, playing field uh, because all I really wanted was sort of more of a platonic comfort and that was considered like a gay thing that was wrong that was like you're a faggot if you want that um so i can relate to that because i was like oh, i'm needing this connection but i don't know how to get it and people are calling me like a, a weirdo if i if i express that desire whereas now a lot of guys are becoming more in touch with their feminine side and you know, I know a lot of the guys who used to kind of bully me in high school. Now they've grown out their hair and they're becoming vegans and they're teaching yoga and they're hugging and doing three minute hugs with other dudes. And, you know, but when I was in high school, I was the only one who seemed to want that. But I think we all want it in some in some way. And so I can relate to what you're saying in a way. So, OK, last time we were hanging out, you told me the story about like the girls that you were interacting with when you were a kid. Yes. Very different from what you're saying now, because you're talking about wanting to connect with boys at the time mm -hmm. so uh, my question to you is where it is that split between connecting with the female mm -hmm. and connecting with the male energy mm -hmm. I think that because well it's interesting when I wanted to connect with females we would always have to be careful because the recess guard would like not want me like making out with a girl on the swing so we'd have to be careful what a, what a shame so it almost feels like any form of of sort of intimacy was there was sort of a shaming attached to it from a very a very young age be it sexual or just like a platonic intimacy mm. uh, so I kind of sensed it with both women and like girls and boys when I was younger there was like do not get too close to another that was kind of the message that that I got mm. it was kind of for both both genders Damn. yeah mm. yeah I mean I had the, the same experience I think more so with women I I think there was a very early phase where I wanted to connect more to boys and then that was very soon cut off as a possibility. Right. Just societal and like, you're a boy, you know, this is what you're going to be. Right. So I think there's a lot of growth for me to be experienced there. But um, connecting to girls at a young age, not a problem. <laughs> mm -hmm. But you even said you had to keep an eye out when you were like making out with the girl in the corner at recess that the recess guard wouldn't catch you. Well, you're, you're divulging all my secrets here. <laughs> So yeah, there was this one girl, I have like this memory of, um, this must have been like... He's a slut and he knows it, oh, he wants to baby. root all the girls. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> we'll find out today, I guess. <laughs> so there's this girl, I think her name was Evelyn. This was like grade four or five when I was just starting to like tap into the sexual energy. I think she may have too, because I mean girls develop a little bit earlier. So we would... Well, there was this like magnetism on the playground and like during class hours where we're like oh we can't wait for recess because we're gonna go around the corner we're gonna make out for 15 minutes before the bell fucking rings <laughs> and we did this for months man wow and like the recess monitors picked up on it and they're you know we started having to like switch up locations and get strategic about it and it was just weird that like such an innocent exploration and play that was different from I guess playing on the playground and developing physical literacy, we were developing emotional literacy with each other. And that was just a note in the early 2000s, late 90s. Like, I don't understand why that's something you shouldn't do, 
even to this day. I mean, we could talk about the patriarchy and the structures and stuff, but mm -hmm. it's an innate thing that we should be doing. Oh my gosh. Girls, girls, guys, girls, trans, whatever. We're all human right. and we're herd creatures and everything from our immune system to the way our skin looks to the way we sleep is affected by whether or not we feel like we belong mm. to the tribe. And bonobos, they share 99.4% of the same DNA and they're mm. all fully hugging each other and picking bugs off each other, grooming each other all the time. The guy, the males will have this ritual where they put their butts together and reach around and do little ball, ball tingles. Mm. <laughs> uh, nice. I yeah. can't say we do that. We haven't done that, but... No, no. not that one. <laughs> I did get you to grab my balls once. True. We did a true. ball cupping uh, uh, ceremony <laughs> once, which made him extremely uncomfortable, but he's a good actor, so I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't until later that I realized I still had the imprint of Will's balls in my hand, because I can still remember they how... they were extremely hairy that day. They were had, they? I think so. They had, I hadn't shaved them. Uh, I, don't, I didn't you notice remember? that. <laughs> I just remembered how heavy they were, and I can oh, still feel you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. They were like, you know when you play marbles as a kid on the playground? <laughs> they were the big ones. Wow, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. It must be all the sexual pink fruit, because I used to have smaller yeah. balls, but now they're more no, full. They're full of mechrem. It's a, a double-hander. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But yeah, it's it's really, I think, what we're, what we're kind of alluding to is that there is a stifling of intimacy, and there's also kind of like a shaming of intimacy. And I think that's done purposely by the dominator system to cut us off from that which makes us human. Because if you can cut people off and shame them uh, about aspects of their being that make them a human being, then they're more easy to control because it kind of gets kind of pinched off. And it's not just a, it's not just like a social uh, domineering way of pinching people off through things like religion and school and homophobia and, and even just body shaming and, intimacy shaming but it's also a chemical you know the, the, the stuff that's sprayed in the air chemtrails for example aluminum glyphosate in the food uh, these types of uh, chemicals actually pinch us off on a glandular sense from our humanity mm. so I think it's kind of like we're it's an onslaught from many different angles sociologically chemically and otherwise mm. uh, that have brought us to this place where we're kind of scared of being intimate and then now with what's going on in the world it's like an extra layer of like fear of intimacy because if you get intimate you know, you might give somebody a virus that will kill them, you know? Dude, I, so you're talking and it, it, I'm just realizing how much this relates to pain and death. So pain being like a small exposure to that death force, if you will, right? When you experience pain, your body's telling you this is deforming my structures in a way mm. or causing harm that could potentially prevent me from engaging in life force. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So like the fear of letting your children on the playground engage in a heart space i think just speaks more to an ingrained pathology in society that's not deliberately oppressing us but just being passed down like mm, our yeah. parents are afraid of their own pain that they would feel by getting too close emotionally mm -hmm. so that same thing unconsciously is being said to kids that don't get too close to each other emotionally that's a no-go zone. That's not good. You could, you know, expose yourself to sexual diseases, which is really a symbolic uh, interpretation of the pain yeah, that like you would that. feel. Totally. That's in line with dramatic new medicine. Like, for example, something like um, herpes would be considered a separation conflict in the healing phase. So fear of separation, having separated... Or wanting to separate and if it's on the genitals it might have something to do with a sexual separation conflict mm. um, yeah so it's it's all very it's all very interesting um, 
what is the benefit of nudity in your experience in the healing of these separation issues and, mm. and sort of intimacy shaming issues? Well, I'm, okay, I'm still new to this kind of stuff, as you know. Like, I didn't really start diving into this until probably the last year, because in November. I met you, I think, around November. Oh, was I the, the person who sort of introduced you into this sort of like you and Silver. wild man stuff? Yeah, our, our oh, friend, okay. collective friend Silver, um, mm -hmm. I met a little bit over a year ago. Mm -hmm. Was kind of the starting process to that. It was always a no-go zone, like especially Ontario is a different culture from BC, mm. where nudity is, was nowhere in the conversation. Mm. At least I didn't see it, even when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. um, it's important in a lot of ways. Just so, like, there's okay, there's practices that I was engaging in that mm. a lot of people do in meditations and scanning the body and you know consciously going into a particular part of your body you can't feel or have restriction in mm -hmm. to help ease up that that area and mm -hmm. maybe breathe it out and you're doing self reiki with your breath mm -hmm. so you're going in and you're allowing that breath to cycle into a particular area clean out the energy breathe it out and then going back in and bringing that life force in that has always been a practice that I've engaged in with martial arts we do that everywhere else but the genitals. So true. Mm -hmm. In my mindfulness-based stress reduction training that I did in Ontario, they said, like, once we were doing a body scan, once you get to the genitals, the teacher was like, oh, just, you know, a lot of people have issues there. Don't even go there. Just tell them if any issues come out, just bring your attention to a different part of your body right away. Yeah, and, like, we didn't have it quite to that degree of, like, no, no, don't go there. It was, if we go there, it's only for a to make that body part useful and not in a feeling emotional way. Mm. So like for martial arts, you might go into particular areas that are soft tissue areas, like your armpits or your glutes or the, you know, your inner thighs and help develop that sensitivity so that you can make use of it as a weapon. Oh. Right, you, you develop, like if I'm doing iron jacket technique and building up resiliency to getting hit in my quads, that needs to be alive in a way that I can turn on so I can prevent damage, right? Huh. Monks do it, right? They can, uh, is it, I can't remember the name of the technique, but they get resilient to getting kicked in the nuts. Yeah, iron crotch, qigong. Yeah, qigong. Yeah. Same idea. You might develop the ability to go there, but it's not for your benefit. Right. Or it's, it's for the benefit of combat. Yeah, which is a re-ingraining of the ego in that area not for the healing process it's a an ego reinforcing practice rather than a deconstructing de-armoring de-armoring and allowing chi flow mm. to heal that area right yeah yeah so when you when you go to that those areas in yourself what comes up and what have you what are you we're doing to sort of heal heal those areas in yourself hmm you know, I'm, I'm still not 100% clear on that because I've just started your course. Mm -hmm. This is just starting to become something consciously I'm aware of. Mm. So I, I'm circumcised. So that's one aspect that I've been very aware of, dude, like the last six months. There was a few moments after discovering like, oh, there's going to be some trauma there. Oh, there is trauma there. Mm. And sobbing about the loss mm. of 
innocence. And I don't mean innocence as in like exposing yourself to sexual practices. I mean innocence as in like the wholesome or holiness of the body has been violated mm -hmm. in a way that you're no longer, it's like losing a part of your heart right, that you right. can never gain back. And the penis is the uttermost extension of the heart in certain traditions. Mm -hmm. So like, even though I might do as many practices as I can, there's always going to be a part of myself I can't know. Mm. Now, if you go into the quantum idea of exploring yourself, mm -hmm. yes, you can actually tap into that. Mm -hmm. But I think that's one too many layers deep. I'm still on the ground level of dealing with the physical body before I can even engage and understand and comprehend what quantum healing might allow me to get to. So mm -hmm. maybe I can still experience that. That's but, really cool. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Because a lot of my clients, especially most of my clients, are American males who were born in the 80s. When were you born? 95. Oh, wow. Okay. And you were born in Canada? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's still, I mean, it's still common. Right now, I checked the statistic for the States because most of my clients are in the States and I couldn't find data on Canadian men. But it's mm. about 50-50 right, right now in 2020 um, because a lot, of, um, a lot of doctors just are not educated and a lot of people just are not educated in that and i feel like the new ones coming in like you're i would say you're like a crystal child uh which is like you're here to just be the change you understand the new frequency mm. you were born with that innate understanding of the value of the human body for example and that doing something like that to a small baby is not a good a good thing whereas the species that came up with those types of rituals i would call it like a, a blood ritual um, they were limited to their five senses. Um, they, they didn't have that multi-sensory capability. Um, so it's uh, a, lot, a lot of men have reached out to me saying that they have trauma around that or that it's coming up. Um, and it's, it's, a really, um, it's a really difficult thing. And there are ways to restore the foreskin if, if, um, there is, if it's like a loose circumcision. Mm. There's certain techniques you can do, like you take your thumb, put it on the head of your dick, and then you roll the remaining skin over and you just milk it. Mm. And one of my teachers, he had a pretty tight circumcision and he was able to get, now he's got half of his foreskin back. Mm. And the foreskin that's covering the glands, that area of the glands is now be, is resensitizing. Interesting. Yeah, because it's now being covered. Okay, so I've had, I was thinking about this this morning actually. It was like when you're using another part of the body that has its own biological signature, like it, the the neural neural connection to the part of your what's left of your foreskin that is lower down on the shaft. Its mm -hmm. job is to be lower down. Mm -hmm. it, so when you start changing its its job by moving it back up are you actually reducing its capability to do its function? Mm. That's That was something I was worrying about. But, mm. you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So you're saying you can regain sensitivity to your head and like mm. having that boundary, recover, <laughs> recover the head. What time's the turtleneck? <laughs> so you might maybe lose a little bit of its ability to be, to play its role further down on the shaft. But you're also regaining some life force in the head because of mm -hmm. its innate need for a cover. Yes, it's not perfect, but it's like at least it's covering that area, so it's going to get less chafed over time by underwear. It's going to mm. get a little bit more moist, you know, that whole area. Um, 
And when I feel like the skin of my foreskin and then the skin of the shaft of my penis, both feel like the same on the top, but of course underneath it's gonna be a different skin. So I see yeah. what you're referring yeah, yeah, yeah. to. But I think it's just the fact that getting part of the glands covered again for a consistent amount of time is showing some benefit in some of my clients. Yeah. So um, other things that, that uh, have been helpful is like uh, massaging the lingam, massaging your own lingam, lovingly raking it and you know putting nice essential oils on it and just loving it um, can be a way to sort of spiritually reparent that kind of damage. Uh, and then having your partner do that. That's exactly where is, my mind was going yeah. as you're talking. I was like, and having people just yeah, just be like, with you. Yeah, be with you and massage it and um, and honor honor that. Like Shaman Dirk taught me like a bunch of, um, whether you're circumcised or not, many men have issues around their cocks. Mm. They think that it's too small or that it doesn't, or it looks weird or this or that because a lot of the time guys are comparing their cocks to what they see in porn. And... I have friends who are porn actors. Many of them are consistently taking high doses of Viagra and getting like collagen injections into their cocks before the shoots. Yeah. So what what these men are comparing themselves, what we're comparing our cocks to is really like an airbrushed version of a cock. Um, so yeah, there's... <laughs> Fucking turkey baster it. Turkey baster that cock. <laughs> oil it up, inject it, put some Botox in it. No, don't put Botox yeah, in it. Yeah, don't, <laughs> that don't do that. That'll reduce its sensitivity don't for Botox sure. Don't Botox you dick. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so so the massage, um, I, I find even just like mm. rage. Cry oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, cry crying, rage, expressing, feeling it to heal it is another thing. Mm. Like I was forcibly retracted when I was four. So it wasn't circumcision. It's called uh, premature forced foreskin retraction. And a lot of parents and doctors do that still where they like pull the foreskin off the head of the penis prematurely. And what they don't realize is there's actually a membrane that keeps the foreskin glued securely to the head of the penis. And that membrane does not dissolve until the boy is anywhere from six years old to 20 years old. Mm. So there's a lot of um, just misunderstandings of like what the function of the foreskin is and how it's connected to the heart and how it really is like a, a human rights violation when we, when we circumcise a girl or a boy. That's like a really important thing to, to reify. But um, what? how do you feel, because I'm just having this image of you in horse stance, naked, in Cap River, where you're like, ah, and your dick's out, and you're just like, ah. How do you feel in those moments? Because watching you, like we, that's what I really like about this type of men's work, where we all get naked and like be primal and mm. naked in nature, is like, it kind of like mm. our hearts and our cocks come into coherence. And yeah. it's like we're healing each other. And I feel like we are accessing some sort of quantum healing technology when we do that. So can you speak to your experiences with that? What can I even say? But okay, immediately, as you can tell, if you're watching the video portion of this, um, my chest, my sternum, my diaphragm became really alive just by Will describing that. And I, my body had its mirror neurons turn on where he represented the horse stance and my legs and my like everything turned on I was like oh yeah. yeah and I went into that because I mean sometimes when I'm in performance mode which sometimes when you're on a podcast you tend to switch into that you know mm -hmm. making sure you guys understand me will understands what I'm saying mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm very fired up right now and like I'm my body's moving towards that energy very easily so I want to stand up right now mm -hmm. How about we stand up? Yeah, I think, I think that's probably a good idea. We'll back up a little bit We can here. stand up and do like a few moves. And for those of you listening, you can access this 
Just type in the wild naked man. Actually, I'll put it in the show notes so you can yeah. see the video version on YouTube. Maybe lower the camera a little bit so we can film back properly. Yeah. So I'll speak a little louder because I'm further away from the camera here, but uh, we'll just take a second. Feel your body. So if you're listening to this and you're not driving, you can stand up and come into just a slight horse stance. That means feet are parallel, shoulders distance apart, slightly bent knees. Ears over shoulders. Hmm. And just allow the energy in your trunk to ground itself and fill all the extremities of the skin, and the rib cage, and form a very tight boundary around your back, your stomach, your pecs, the upper back. Feel like a cylinder of energy from top to bottom into your legs. Nah. It feels like a very archetypally um, male energy for me when I when I'm in this zone. It's like I'm like an arrow. Mm -hmm. Something wants to come out of me forward. And like as if you're watching the video, I'm moving my hands even as I'm describing this in a way that's like a punch. Yeah. I'm forward, and it's. Some men might feel intimidated by that kind of stuff, but when I'm in relationship with Will or somebody else, it's a moving towards. Right, it's like a penetration in an empowering way. It is, and, and it could be easily overwhelming because I'm my energy is saying I'm moving towards and into you, mm -hmm. which some people might recoil away from right. in overwhelm. And that kind of ties into like the internalized gay panic that a lot of guys have been programmed to have. It's like, mm. I even I had that throughout my like I wasn't really rooted in my maybe my Shiva polarity so maybe I was looking for that in other men but now that I'm cultivating that Shiva polarity within myself like I feel very comfortable with this type of energy around mm. you and it's less like graspy needy and it's just more like you are you like we're whole we're com I feel like we're complete circles interrelating rather than me like trying to get something from the situation okay so that I can relate that uh there's a saying in in our in bioenergetic psychotherapy. I'm gonna wait for this truck to go by. <laughs> that there's a particular personality type that when you are easily overwhelmed, you are also the same kind of person that easily overwhelms others. And that's because of a, a weak boundary. So when your boundaries are weak, you're think of it as like a porous surface. Things can get into you mm. and overwhelm you, and things come out of you in a way that you're not conscious of. Mm. So that kind of personality type, which we all have to some degree, looks for people to overwhelm you so that you can re-experience the same feelings that you give yourself and other people. Huh. It, it's a healing process. This is a, yes, it is a pathology, but it's also the key to growing beyond it. So you expose yourself to interpersonal relationships that overwhelm you so that you can see the truth behind it and then start closing up those boundaries in a healthy way mm. so that then we can stand here and whatever is true for us in the moment come up and not be excessively overwhelmed by it yes. and receive each other. I feel that's largely, that ability to do that is largely tied to the gut health. Mm. That's what I'm feeling. And I take like humic and fulvic acid every day, biomedic from a superfoods company. And it's been shown to, for example, heal the gut, uh, help combat leaky gut syndrome and take impurities out of the gut and i really feel like when my my gut is healthy it's so much easier to come from that place of wholeness and non-reactivity mm. okay so here's another part we're gonna get into some teaching here i fucking love this um 
there is a proponency or, or predisposition that we have when we can't create an energetic boundary. And this comes up in, in the body. The muscular system and the physical body is a tool set we have to create boundaries. When you can't do that yourself from uh, a psychological, physical standpoint, we seek external tools. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll try and find foods to fill ourselves in a way that creates an internal sense or a physical feeling in your gut of a boundary. Mm. So you fill your stomach and you try and gain weight subconsciously to create a much stronger boundary to the outside world. So that's why, you know, when you're feeling stuffed, you might feel physically satiated, but you're still easily overwhelmed because you've misunderstood what your heart and spirit is telling you. You need a boundary, but not by filling yourself, by filling yourself. Right. It's like, it makes me think of the breatharians. Like we, in our society, we're given pills, we're given overeating, we're given alcohol, these things that are promoted by our society as, as ways of coping. But we're not taught, like, how do I meditate to fill myself with spirit mm -hmm. to help fill that void with something that's perhaps more sustainable than eating like a shitload of McDonald's right before bed or something. Yeah, and like there's one thing that I've noticed over the years of training and fasting for competitions and all kinds of nonsense, but it, it does teach you something. And for me, that was the body doesn't need nearly as much intake as you think it does. Mm. Whether Whatever stimulus that might be, whether it's food, water, people, interaction, uh, you know, training, you definitely don't need nearly as much external input as uh, maybe your wounds make you believe you need. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's really cool. And I like, it makes me think of that quote from Leonard Cohen, ring the bells that still can ring, forget your perfect offering, there's a crack in everything, that's how the light gets in. Mm. It's like our wounds can be tools that we can use to allow more light into our lives. Mm. Mm -hmm. More life-giving experiences and energy. And mm frequencies yeah. and I like the idea that healing can be fun and that's really what I try to teach it can even be erotic it can be enjoyable it can be high frequency it doesn't have to always be a slog um, for example sometimes when I do breath work I start to scream and cry and I feel like I'm healing my own stuff as well as stuff that's coming up in the collective but it actually as intense as it is emotionally when that happens it actually feels pretty damn good it's almost like a catharsis yeah fuck yeah there's um I'll, uh, people on my Instagram page may have seen this story before, but I firmly believe that there is a, a triad, like in a lot of religions, uh, in a good spiritual practice, there's a triad of energy to get yourself to move from your current state into your, say, higher self, a higher resonant frequency. Mm. There is anger or yelling. Mm. There is letting down and crying. Mm. And until you understand that duality and be able to oscillate between the two and not be overwhelmed by either one, you can't get to laughing. And laughing is the third party disconnect of like, I'm no longer being owned by this wound. I can see it as my inner adult. Nice, let's come closer, this is good. My inner adult. Yeah, I like that. So the, the, the healing triad, if you will, is yelling, Crying, laughing. Mm. 
I love that. You need those three things in a balanced healing practice. And to tie it into men's work and nudity and rewilding, it makes me think of like when like Silver had us grab our cock and balls and like shake them and stick out our tongues and be like, ah! like <laughs> scream. Or when we're like, ah! Like I was with my buddy James up here last week and he just started being like, ah! He's like, it feels so good to be like, ah! And he's like, we're both naked and just screaming at nature. That, that, that rage expression, basically like the haka dance that the Maoris mm -hmm. do before the, the rugby games and before like tribal, you know, wars and stuff. Well, I was in New Zealand a few years ago and oh. the Maoris were describing the hawk is used for a variety of things, but a lot of the times it's also a welcoming of another tribe. Cool. So when they meet, uh, you know, you don't know if you're coming into war or uh, a, sometimes a melding of two tribes. Mm -hmm. And especially on the melding of two tribes, when you're coming into somebody else's territory, you do a welcoming haka mm. to one show this is our land these are my boundaries but at the same time i am comfortable enough showing you my aggression to then also the mirror image of that is you're welcome into my home now that's so beautiful it's like um there's a pose that i learned in yoga called the assertive warrior and it's basically you're in warrior two and you're having one hand with your palm up offering your love and then you have your other hand up and it's like you're assertive, you're bound, you're asserting your boundary, assertive warrior. Mm. So you're giving your love, just like the Maoris are, but you're also like asserting your boundaries. Mm. And, and it, I always loved that pose because I, I felt very loving, but I also felt like I was really standing up for my boundaries. Dude, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the ceremonial garb of like some of the tradition, traditions in North America have like the big feather. Um, oh yeah. In South America, South America, like South America but also North America. Oh, and, cool. You know, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. not well versed in, in Canadian, and, yeah, First Nations, but I'm sure you'll you'll recognize some of the mm -hmm. chiefs have these large feathers right around them. Yeah, very prideful. Like, this is my my lineage, and I will mm -hmm. display it to you. I am not just meeting mm -hmm. you in this ground plane. I also have the halo of my ancestors and my traditions I love coming into this connection with you. So yes, I'm moving towards you with my physical body. And then the ceremonial garb is... Yes. Here and is my, that makes you think of the penis too. Like, the honor. In, in our culture, it's been so shamed and yours isn't big enough or it's this or that. But it's like the, the cock confidence and the consciousness into the cock I feel is related to that too mm. honoring your lineage like there was a guy in our men's group and he's like oh yeah I had this vision when I was doing bufo to lead a bunch of guys we're naked holding our pubic hair right above our <laughs> our uh, our cocks and we're yeah. honoring our male lineage mm. so I feel like there's something very primal and uh, it's kind of missing in our society but we're bringing it back like I've got 50 guys doing my course and it's it we do these types of rituals in, in my course where you're really honoring your your cock and balls and it just when you were talking about the headdress I feel like the cock is almost another element of that that's actually on the body you know it is actually I was gonna say the exact same thing you're yeah. talking about this and I'm like I feel my body is immediately connecting to it. it's like your cock and balls is your physical apparatus to represent that like passage of lineage all oh, right right it, it's like almost a tool that is separate from everything else and that you are here because your ancestors used it right. this is your passing of everything that came behind you that stands with you as that you move literally came <laughs> yeah, that literally came <laughs> bow <laughs> bam <laughs> yeah i love that yeah I'm just trying to tip this down here there totally. we go
Well, this has been a very stimulating, awesome mm. conversation. You're a wealth of knowledge and um, you verbalize things that I think about, but my psyche hasn't fully been able to sort of conglomerate in a cohesive way. So thanks mm. for doing that for me. Dude, thank you, Kate. Like the amount of stuff that has been new and fresh for me over the last year of getting to know you and like the resistance that I feel to getting naked, but then doing it anyway. But it's like, there's so much pushing of my edges to a place where I, I'm forced into a healing practice in myself where I feel so much more peace mm. with sexuality and even discussing these topics. Mm. Like meeting me a year ago, very different conversation. I wouldn't have understood nearly as much of what you're talking about, which means that I would have limited the ability to connect with my heart to you in so many ways mm. and to other people. So I want to thank you for bringing everything that you bring to men and mm. women. It's not just about healing the physical body, which you do very well. Mm. You bring so much more heart out of me. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks, man. And that's a feeling that I really love. It's like this heart mm. connection. Hi, heart. Mm. <laughs> you we'll do some yabyam. Yeah. Here, so oh, we can, I'll teach you some yabyam. <laughs> so you can do this with male, male, female, mm, uh, male. And you just hug. And you go to the, the other side maybe so you can talk oh, to yeah. the camera. Okay, typically you would do heart to heart because the heart's on the left side of the body, but we can do this for sake of, of the camera angle. Oh, actually, this is nice and the sun's coming down. Mm. So you just feel each other's high hearts and low hearts coming into coherence. So for those of you listening, we're just hugging each other. It's such a beautiful thing to do at least a 30 second hug because that releases oxytocin, which is a bonding hormone, which lowers cortisol stress hormone. Take one more deep breath. And there's different ways that you can circulate the energy, either just by hugging or you can bring your hands up here to your partner's back mm. if you inhale. And then exhale, bring it down. Inhale, squeeze the rectum, sex organ, navel. Rolling the eyes up. And then exhale, bring it down. Do it three more times. Mm. Feeling the prana, the life force moving through the body. Our chakras and our heart pains to hear. Squeeze and fold, roll the eyes up and feel the energy spiraling in the brain as you smile. Touching the tongue to the roof of the mouth. And then exhale, bring it back down. It's so lovely. And it's this like, it's this platonic comfort that I think a lot of guys need. And I actually think a lot of humans are missing out on mm, and it's like it's like a vitamin I'll take you. <laughs> we're like two chimpanzees but um what else did I want to touch on before we close this has been good it's been a good 50 minute conversation um well actually I just want to share something yeah while you think about that totally doing this practice and those of you listening you're not seeing what we're doing but we're still sitting you know straddling each other facing each other and um just feeling a letting down in my body and 
I've been very stressed the last few days and some anxiety. I feel so much calmer. And by having to show up for this podcast, you turn yourself on in some ways to, to perform, but that prevents you from sometimes genuinely connecting mm-hmm. from your heart mm-hmm. to speak loud and make sure you're understood. And uh, I feel like there's so much more possibility to connect to Will just by a minute and a half of doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. I've been in a lot of men's groups where there's very minimal touch and it's almost all talk 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 and i feel like in first nations cultures and pre-literate societies they knew that healing was not just talk therapy that was also we heal in circle we heal through touch and dance and uh, eroticism and nutrition there's so and there's just so many different ways that we can heal and just doing things like this where like no one ever straddles each other facing like especially yeah. not guys especially not guys yeah and this just feels really good like i don't feel like i need to give you anything i don't feel you're asking mm-hmm. we can just chill feels good and you know, we don't have to sit across from each other in a room mm-hmm. and like <laughs> be in a doctor's office no yeah. i feel like a life-giving energy is coming from my body and a life-giving energy is coming from your body mm-hmm. and it's like a it's like a nourishing and it's um grounding. It's, it's grounding and yeah. also we are grounded because you are wearing natural fibers. I'm wearing natural fibers. We're actually on a log. So we're receiving the negative ions from the earth. Mm. So this is very healing in many different ways. I feel, I feel like a, a silverback gorilla, just <laughs> very heavy and chill. Mm. It's so beautiful. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too, brother. Mm. And we love you guys. Yes. And I'll finish off the, um, the podcast just by saying that I'm getting messages from dudes all around the world. Mostly dudes identify as straight who are in the, in the work of men's work, um, erotic cultivation, sexual kung fu practices. And a lot of them are like, oh, like in my meditation, I had this vision where I'm coaching a bunch of guys naked through like a sexual kung fu practice in a teepee. And it's like this guy from Australia was saying this and this guy from the UK and Germany and uh, Vancouver and uh, there's this desire that men have to be intimate with each other and it doesn't mean that you're gay. In fact, in many preliterate societies, the shaman was what we would call the gay dude. He was able to house both a male and female energy in one incarnation pretty well. Mm. And he was like the bridge between the spirit world and the physical world. And then the women, when they were menstruating, they were often considered to be too powerful, too potent for the men to be around. And then the alpha males, who this guy developed when he was like three. Uh, I they, came out ready. They had um, often many, many wives and many, many babies. And so when their wives were menstruating, because usually the, the women, because they were always like picking berries and associating, they'd be on the same moon cycle. So they'd all go to the red tent and menstruate. And then all the guys would go with the shaman and do erotic rituals to stoke their young essence deep in the forest. This was like a well-documented thing in, in First Nations uh, tribes. Like we're on, on First Nations land right now. So that's something that was very common. Um, so let's bring it back unabashedly. Mm. And let's experience more freedom than ever because it's the Aquarian Age. And it's 2020 and there's two timelines. And I, I really love the timeline of like freedom, groundedness, joy, and connection. Mm. I'm mean, just really not giving a fuck and doing whatever you want. I love that. really feels good. I love that. And if you're ever like, oh shit, does this make me gay? You just say, I'm shameless, I'm fearless, 
I am doubtless. Because uh, shame in the uh, fear in the present moment is fear. Fear in the past is shame. And fear in the future is doubt. And what I've found is when I'm doing this, I feel like I'm sharpening my yang. And all I really want to do after I do this is eat pussy. <laughs> so it's, a, it's an interesting thing, right? Awesome. And we could get in, I don't want to get in, into the, uh, the atrazine too much, but I just want to touch on it quickly. Is when, Will, Will's always got some, some <laughs> mad info. When there's too much glyphosate and atrazine in the system, uh, for example, in frogs, they will actually just start to butt fuck each other like crazy, the males. And there'll be a lot of transgender babies born with penises and vaginas. Mm. So what I believe is atrazine actually causes this sort of pinching off of same-sex uh, intimacy that turns it from life-giving into just lustful and like needy and mm. clingy. So since I've gotten the atrazine out of my system, like I don't have a boner right now. Whereas when I had the atrazine in my system, I'd like, I'd get really sort of like uh, in a sympathetic state, I get mm. like an erection and I'd want to ejaculate. Like mm. if we were doing this five years ago, I'd probably get like really like, kind of like how, how certain friends get. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, I, and I'd want to like have an ejaculation. This is more of a parasympathetic experience for me right now. Mm. And it's really, it's really juicy, it's really life-giving, but it just feels very like a platonic comfort. Mm. Yeah. And there's nothing more delicious than that. So, mm. this so is what I wish for everybody. For, for my experience of this, and I think we'll probably wrap up after, Yeah, I'm noticing the longer we sit here, the more there's like a discomfort in my balls. Hmm. Uh, because I, this practice has never been a thing for me. Hmm. So while at first I feel a sense of calm and release, there's a growing sense of anxiety in my, my balls because hmm. there's a feeling coming up in the lower regions of my, my pelvic floor of aliveness. And I don't mean like genital stimulation or getting a boner, mm -hmm. but uh, the opposite. Like that would be a, a, a yang energy going out, penetrating. Mm -hmm. This is a softening and gaining of feeling that is potentially overwhelming my psyche. Mm. So I'm getting pain in my balls rather, rather than them having the freedom to feel. Oh, that's really good. Mm -hmm. That's really good. And there's a book called Male Sexuality. Um, by Bernie Ziegerfeld, I think his name is. And I used to sneak it because my dad's a psychiatrist. He had all these crazy books. We're just going to keep going I'd for days <laughs> and days. <laughs> I'd sit on the toilet and i just read this book for like a long time. My parents like, what are you, are you, t why are you taking so long to go to the bathroom? <laughs> but it was so interesting. And in the book, he talks about how men get like a tingling in their balls and cocks. And it's not necessarily a sexual thing. It can happen at a rock concert. Mm. It can just happen whenever you're kind of having a good time or following your heart. And so what I want to say is if you are a straight dude and you're doing something like this and you do get like sort of a healing yin sensation in your loins, try to embrace it because mm -hmm. it's actually very beautiful. Like if I allow that to happen, I feel like your, mm -hmm. your second chakra is giving me healing energy and my second chakra is giving you healing energy. Mm -hmm. And I, I, so as soon as you say that, I feel it. Mm -hmm. And there's a... Um, there's a reception and then there's a, a recoil mm. so th this would be important for my own healing and if you've got the same issues trying this with mm. other people mm -hmm. i would recommend just like pnf stretching proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation mm -hmm. you engage in it and then you back off a that's little good bit. so you don't overextend the overwhelm so yeah. you like deliberately put energy into trying to go to your balls and relaxing 
And unlike PNF where you would contract, this is a deliberate relaxing to feel. And then you, you pull away. Yeah. Maybe so maybe you, we can even take a break. Cause, yeah. Because we've been in this for a good good five to ten minutes. Yeah. And it's like a good sort of training to be more in that yin space. And oh, oh yeah. I was gonna say maybe we so we're talking about doing a uh, a naked practice after this podcast. So maybe tune into that mm-hmm. and you might see us doing some of this practice and seeing it through. Yeah. To some sort of conclusion or, you know, just an exploration of it. Totally. That's great. And I just want to finish by saying that, and this is actually finished, is women do this stuff all the time. I've got spiritual healer friends. So so easy for them. They're (laughs) constantly hugging and touching each other's boobs. And they're having yoni steaming parties where they get naked and sit on a pot and steam their yonis with uh, their vaginas with, you know, nice herbs and stuff. That sounds fucking nice. Yeah. So, and giving each other massages and having bubble baths together. So I just really want to say, if you're a dude and you have that desire, that's normal. Our ancestors were doing that to some degree. Even the Spartans, the most manly of the manly, were doing erotic rituals with each other that we would say, oh, that's really weird. But actually, it's very human. You got a body. Use it in as many ways as possible. Love your body. Love your brothers and sisters. We're all in this magical journey together. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Will. You're amazing, Logan. Thank you, guys. Ooh. You're so lovely. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. It's not long. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. And thank you again, Mr. Logan Quinn, for being on our show. You are a very inspiring man, and I'm grateful to have you as a friend and uh, to have you in our men's group here in Vancouver, beautiful British Columbia, Canada. If you want to learn more about what Mr. Circus Animal himself does and how he can help you in so many ways in terms of psychology, in terms of the body-mind connection, in terms of giving a really fucking good massage, I would say the best massage I've ever had, definitely up there in the top two massages I've ever had, Uh, go to circusanimal.net. You can also follow follow him on his Instagram, which is Circus Animal Gym, like uh, G-Y-M, like a gymnasium, Circus Animal Gym. Have a beautiful day, guys. If you're interested in my music or my tantra courses for men, please check out willblunderfield.ca. Have a great one. Ciao for now.